Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. So, Aaron, I'm going to give you three guesses. What do you suppose we're talking about for this week's show? Ooh, uh, Netflix and Neil Gaiman gave a behind-the-scenes sneak peek at Sandman. We're going to talk about that? Uh, no. Guess number two? Okay. Mm -hmm. DC has asked Harley Quinn producers to remove one scene from season three. They say when it comes to Catwoman, Batman is not allowed to be clever with his words. He cannot be a cunning linguist. Not that. Okay. No, not that. Okay. Okay. Uh, number three, guess number three, Cowboy Bebop live action will feature music by original composer Yoko Kano, to which I say, all right, three, two, one, let's jam. Close, but no. Uh, <sighs> we are recording again June fifteenth, which is the day before the second episode of Marvel Studios' latest limited series, Loki airs. We're going to record the news portion of today's show tonight, and then regroup tomorrow morning with the idea that we'll record the feature portion of this week's show after the two of us have seen episode two. So that way, this week's episode of Marvelous Disney will be as timely as possible, at least as far as Loki is concerned. I'm going to be watching it at 3. What time you watch it? 3 a.m. I'm up. You down? Are we recording at 3.30? Is that how we're doing it? <laughs> I'm old. I need sleep. Uh, I will be up relatively early, and if you want to reach out to like 8 or 9, I'll be good. Just eat some turkey, take a nap now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend it's Thanksgiving. Unbutton the pants, yeah, take a nap in the Lazy Boy. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's it's Taco Tuesday. I, I get oh. up immediately from here. I have to pivot to All go right. make tacos. So anyway, uh, this is the third limited series that Marvel Studios has delivered to Disney Plus to date. Bob Chapek just yesterday was speaking at the 23rd Credit Suisse Communication Conference revealed that in the first week that Loki became available for viewing on the company's subscription streaming service, episode one of this limited series was the most watched Disney Plus series in history. You surprised? Disney Plus has only existed for 19 months, so it's like, you know, we're sure. not talking, oh, the dawn of time. It's been 19 months. Okay. What's supposedly really exciting the folks at Disney is, I mean, remember, when we were talking about WandaVision, they were very, very happy with those numbers when it debuted back in January 15th of this mm. year. For the first episode, 655,000 households tuned in. We got 655,000 for WandaVision's premiere episode. We then, when Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it debuted March 19th, we had 759,000. So that was a jump of 104,000 households. And mm -hmm. then when we had Loki drop just last week, they had 890,000 households. So that they'd had a jump of 130,000 households for the premiere since Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that to Disney says, this is a legitimate pop culture phenomenon. We've got the equivalent of people who are turning to friends and family who are saying, hey, are you watching these shows? And if you're not, you really need to subscribe to Disney Plus because you're missing out on something special. Now, were, were these opening day views, were they over a week, over the lifetime of the show? Did they measure that statistic or was it just the number of households that I, watched it? I want to say that there's the, the viewing day, then there's the viewing day plus four, mm -hmm. then there's the viewing day. Right. 
you know, the full week. But the other thing, frankly, that, that's amazing Disney is think about it. Just today, we had Governor Newsom standing outside the entrance of Universal Studios Hollywood declaring, you know, California is open, you know, come on back. And we've had much the same thing going on in New York State. So the fact that we're seeing these sorts of people who are deciding to stay home to watch these shows at a time when we're all being told, okay, take off the mask, go outside, resume your life, go to a restaurant, go to a movie. This is kind of extraordinary. But at the same time, there are folks at Disney who are genuinely sweating. What does this mean for Black Widow? And we talked on that previous show about how they moved Loki to a Wednesday premiere because they want to be sure that Come Friday, July 9th, when, when Black Widow drops, that everyone's dance card is clear. You know, they've had two and three days to watch Loki. I guess what, what's weird is that what just happened with uh, In the Heights this past weekend, I mean, it was universally praised across the board. And given the huge numbers that Hamilton had done last summer on Disney+, Plus, the assumption was, well, you know, and, well, Miranda, you know, and look at the reviews. This is going to do great business. And nobody turned out. I saw commercials on TV where they had like The Rock saying, go out and see it. And then there was one with Kristen Bell, go out and see it. It's yeah. amazing. And, yeah. and uh, I was like, you couldn't pay me to go into a theater. Right? And I've, I've been vaccinated right now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I could. I forget if it was uh, Carly Wiesel or Alicia Stella, the, the two, mm-hmm. uh, two ladies who do an amazing job of covering the theme park world. But they were talking about being in the Universal Parks for uh, Coaster just opened this past week and just sort of alluded to the fact that in a weird sort of way, to walk into a park after all this time of wearing a mask and having to do it over the course of a press event two and three days in a row, it was weirdly therapeutic because the first day it was shocking to be around so many, you know, be wearing a mask and around so many people who weren't. And by day two, it's like, okay, so this is the world now. And by day three, it's like, okay, I can do this again. But yeah, it, it was kind of being dropped in the, the deep end. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, I, you know, I haven't been back to a theater since onward. And I saw that back in March of 2020. And I was trying to decide if I really would go out to a theater and catch Cruella. Because everyone, again, you know, that's gotten amazing reviews. But, I, you know, I'm just not there yet. And up here, particularly in New Hampshire, you know, everywhere the sign has changed from mandatory wear a mask to the effect of if you're fully vaccinated, you know, or if you're not fully vaccinated, we, we recommend that you wear a mask. But otherwise, you're free to move about without a mask. But see, when when I or my wife walk into a store and we don't have a mask on, mm-hmm. we get death looks from all the people like, what are you doing? And I want to have a big T-shirt that says I'm vaxxed, not anti-mask. Right. You know, yeah. like I, I'm OK. You're OK. We're OK. Yeah. Calm down. So, I mean, I still wear a mask for other people's mm-hmm. mental comfort. Mm-hmm. I've been wearing a mask for over a year. So it, to me, I, I really don't mind. Mm-hmm doing it for other people's sake. And I did go into a store today. It was like, I don't care if you're vaxxed or not. You got to have a mask on. Then you got to use the hand sanitizer before you touch anything. And mm-hmm. if you don't get out and I'm like, well, I really want to buy something. So I got to, I got, I got to obey your rules so I can get my thing. Right. No, that's that. I, and, but a different, you know, I was going to say a different problem, Jim, right now is Disney has just trained me not to go to the theater recently because I've been getting weekly fixes mm-hmm. of WandaVision. I've been getting for a little gap there, then weekly fixes of, 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then I've been getting weak. And it's like they're coming out like my comic books used to yeah. on the regular. Yeah. And I, I haven't needed to go to the theater. And I've been thoroughly entertained over the course of like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And even though Black Widow may be spectacular on a big screen and all the theater reasons to go, mm-hmm. I've really been enjoying the series almost more like I could, I could care less about what happens in a movie right now. Even mm-hmm. the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm like, I'm so thoroughly enjoying Loki. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything else. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I'm full. No, no, no. I completely understand what you're saying. And, and just, by the way, to double back, you talked about the death glares that you get. I uh, My solution to the death glares is I actually walk around the store. Uh, we'll have my shopping list in one hand. And in the other hand, very prominently displayed is my, my blue mask. If I'm in a situation where somebody says you, you need to put a mask, it's like, absolutely immediately. I have it right here. But I'm you know, trying to get across the point that I am vaccinated, but I am right. also respectful of you know, other people's concerns. So Yeah, it's just I want it to be at, at a point where we can just go into a theater and nobody cares about anything but butter or no butter on your popcorn. That's the only <laughs> question I want to have to answer. <laughs> Well, at that point, let let me get to the the gratuitous plug here that the the, the news portion of this week's episode of Marvelous Disney being brought to you by the the kind folks at Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner, the Jim Hill Media Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so we were just talking about all these wonderful, you know, limited series in Marvel Studios. One of the ones that Marvel fans have really been looking forward to is She-Hulk, which, by the way, is not supposed to debut on the streaming service through early 2022. Don't know if you saw the news this week. They are continuing to cast. So do you want to talk about who's joining the show or? Is it Jamila Jamil? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, she was uh, from from the good place. She was. She was. And she, played, she was fabulous. That was, I loved her character. I, I I genuinely enjoyed that show, and and you know I I realized we got four seasons, and we should be happy with that. But it just makes me sad when they cancel the things I like. But do you want to talk about who she's supposed to be playing in in She Hulk? I guess she's supposed to be playing a villain. And Mm. I went to look her up and I saw her costume had like no midriff. Like she had no buttons to connect her shirt all the way down. I was like, well, come on now. I hope that's not why they cast this poor girl. They got to have a costume for her, a full costume. I'm talking one that covers all the bits, by the way, Jim, I got to say, why is it that female warriors never seem concerned about protecting their midriff? You know, if you were to gut your enemy, that's a quick way to dispatch them. Why is it that the female warriors in the movies never get to protect their sensitive parts like their stomach? Ugh. You know... Ugh, shameful. Okay. I'm, I'm glad Black Widow's at least covered, right? Mm-hmm. She's, she's not been, you know, sexified. She's just a beautiful woman in, in black suit, so that's cool. Okay. It's not Kara. It's, it's not Superman's cousin. There's another female superhero in the DC world. It's the one where her outfit in the cleavage area has this oval. I, I want to say it's, it's some relative of Superman. And it's just one of these right. things where you look at the outfit and it's just one of these things where it's like, I get it. I'm yeah. a teenage boy. I'm buying a comic book. This image might make me happy, but, for, but from an operational point of view, it's like, really? That's the outfit? That's how you go out in the world and you you save people from buildings that are falling down? And do you have to stop occasionally and clean debris out of 
I don't know. Of course, you know, to be entirely fair here, if we're, we're, we're talking about this, somebody needs to explain to me where Bruce Banner buys his shorts. I think that uh, you know, Tony Stark makes suits for everybody, right? He made Spider-Man half a dozen suits throughout the movies already. So okay. I'm sure he probably had some stretchy Stark tech. <laughs> it was a new brand of Stark architecture, Jim. We're going to revisit Stark I was waiting. I was waiting for the callback. And thank you. Thank you. All right. I always yeah. can count on a professional. Okay. Well, cool. All right. Moving on here. Did you see the video that popped up this week about... Chadwick Boseman's first audition for Marvel Studios, the one where he's applying for the role of Drax the Destroyer in, in the first Guardians film? Right. Now, I uh, saw the one about uh, Demon Hinzu. Mm -hmm. He uh, apparently had auditioned for Drax as well, and mm -hmm. James Gunn went, you're too small. And he's like, I'm six foot plus, you know, like, ha ha. And he's like, no, no, you're, you're too small. And then uh, when he saw Dave Batista, he went, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> now, speaking of Dave Batista, and on, on the last episode of, of Marvel Us Disney, we talked at length about how Batista, who's been out doing publicity for Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder uh, thing for Netflix, was talking about, I think this may be my last time around it as, as Drax. You know, it's, it's tough putting on the makeup and the sensitive nipples. Yeah. Well, again, that, that's why they, he should have an outfit with an oval. There we go. Okay. Anyway, I, a friend from Marvel Studio reached out and said, by the way, you know, I just wanted to share that there is perhaps another reason that David is talking about this being his last appearance as Drax. And that, do you remember how on, uh, on the very first Guardians film, we found out that Drax's motivation going after Ronan the Accuser is that he was seeking revenge on the man who, who'd killed his wife and daughter. Supposedly, one of the plot threads for Guardians Volume 3 is that Drax learns that his daughter, and I want to say it's Kamaria, wasn't necessarily killed by Ronan, that she is still out there somewhere alive. Now the question becomes, okay, so over the course of this film, does Drax make a heroic sacrifice to free his daughter, or do, after he reunites with his daughter, does he then say goodbye to, you know, his friends on the Benatar? That's a logical conclusion. What David Batista perhaps isn't saying here is that the, maybe this is a story-driven reason that this is the last time we're going to see Drax in a, a Guardians film, or at least his version of this character? Well, I mean, they also had the uh, Sly Stallone and uh, the other version of, of the Guardians that made a little cameo in they did. an after credit scene. And if you ever want to rotate some of those, I mean, Miley Cyrus voicing a robot, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, throw her into the mix anytime, and I'm sure it would be phenomenal. So, I mean, yeah, they've got options, and they don't need to, just like the Avengers, the team can rotate in and out, you know, as long as you got a core that are familiar. But while we're talking about Guardians, I was wondering if you had been paying attention to what was going on this week at E3, the, the big gaming thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's up with the blue llama with the red hair? Did, <laughs> did Mystique turn into a llama? What's up with that? I'm sorry, I've put the cart before the llama. Jim, go ahead and tell the story, then we'll get to the blue well, llama Well, no, thing. It just, it's one of these things where Square Enix previewed their Guardians of the Galaxy game. And correct me if I'm wrong, is Square Enix the same outfit that just did the Marvel's The Avengers game, or is that another outfit? Yeah, I, I think it was. 
Yeah, Square Enix was the folks who did the the Avengers game, which <laughs> we did a number of shows where you talked about playing that. And the yeah, very- they've added a lot to the game over the course of time. They've added new characters. Mm-hmm. They've got Hawkeye in there now. Mm-hmm. They've got, uh, I want to say, a whole Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, character and land to play in a chapter there. And uh, yeah, they've they've spent a considerable amount of time and effort continuously pumping out new content, even if it is lazy crap, like different costumes. I hate cosmetic stuff. Man. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it looks nice, but I'm not paying two ninety nine to make Captain America, you know, a little bit more blue and a little bit more red in, in the outfit. That's not why I'm here. To, I want to play the game. I want it to be good. Right. So what was interesting coming out of E3 this week is there's that pirate RPG, the, the Sea of Thieves, Mm-hmm. That yep. just announced the big part to the Caribbean expansion, where you know you can play Jack Sparrow. They're they're bringing Davy Jones in. You know, it's very much the world of the the film franchise. And they and what's interesting is they are so stylized in the Sea of Thieves way, but it's still very recognizable. Okay, that's Johnny Depp's take on Captain Jack Sparrow and Davy Jones and the like. And and then to see Square Enix's take on the Guardians characters and especially to weren't there complaints about the Marvel's Avenger game about the fact that they didn't necessarily look like the MCU versions of the characters yeah no they they had their own unique look and the voice actors never even tried to emulate anything that came from the the movies so it could truly be its own independent thing and fans had gotten so used to you know robert downey jr's tony stark it was just like oh my god how how dare you and it's like guys this used to be you know a print words for you know three or four decades before we got to this point be thankful that we have cool things like the movies and games and shut up about the stupid little differences just enjoy it no i totally get what you're saying but at the same time i have to acknowledge the fact that the trailer for the guardians games drops and to watch the comments on social media the effect of these look nothing like the characters (laughs) and and just the whole notion of I can't help but think Disney, the giant corporation that just spent all of the money and all of the time to make sure that when Pirates goes into Sea of Thieves, that, you know, that looks like Johnny Depp's version of Captain Jack Sparrow. And it just the whole notion of particularly with this having been a concern with the Marvel's The Avengers game, that maybe they could we revisit the design of the... Well, here's the thing, though, Jim, is you've got the comic books, you've got the cartoons, you've got stuff for little kids. Mm-hmm. By the way, the uh, opening animation for Spider-Man and his amazing friends that's sung by Fallout Boy mm-hmm. just floored me. It was awesome. But uh, beyond that, Marvel is different things to different people, and mm-hmm. you can't just be down one specific path because it's popular right now. Mm-hmm. There are so many different formats Mm -hmm. that spider-man or iron man can show up in it would not be wise to just print robert downey jr's face across the comic books and the video games and the thing because it's no longer iron man it's robert downey jr and there's a difference we hired robert to play tony stark not to personify him to the grave and then adopt his image into everything thereafter right 
he got cast because he looked like a, a print version of Tony Stark. They didn't draw Tony Stark to look like Robert Downey Jr., right? I get that. But it, it's interesting you bring up uh, uh, Spider-Man's of eight amazing friends. And the, the, again, the title sequence that dropped for this Disney Junior series. Yeah, it's for like kindergartners, I believe. They're like little bobblehead looking characters, over, way, you know, stubby and whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what's fascinating to me is in that cradle to grave Disney marketing campaign, you know, the notion of this will be the entry point for the next generation of Marvel fans. This is how they will learn about Spidey. So you have a show where you get Peter Parker, you get Miles Morales, and you get Spider-Gwen. But did you also see who else is going to be in the supporting cast of this? You got Black Panther, you got Ms. Marvel, you got the Hulk. You know, I mean, they're literally featured in the title sequence of the show. And then I was also fascinated by the notion of we get Doc Ock, but we get the Doc Ock female version from Into the Spider-Verse. And it's just to watch all of these Venn diagrams come together as in, and this is our entry point for our youngest Marvel fans. But clearly, this is one of these things where there were countless meetings in corporate boardrooms or to the effect of, you know, well, Ms. Marvel, given her heritage, we want to make sure that she's part of the show because she's also, you know, a property that we're investing a lot of money in and she'll be in the, the second Captain Marvel movie, likewise have her own series on Disney+. Plus. So this is like the back in the olden day when the cigarette companies go, candy cigarettes, get the kids hooked <laughs> when they're young. Get that hand-to-mouth yes, habit yes, going when yes. they're four or five, so when they turn 16, they're smoking two packs a day. Mm. Yeah, this is this is just the same thing, but different. I got to tell you a quick story about the E3 mm-hmm. uh, with James Gunn. Yep. There was a game uh, reveal for Bethesda's Starfield. It's basically Skyrim in space. I can't wait to play it. And apparently James Gunn is on the same page because he said he misinterpreted the, uh, the release date at first. He thought it was coming at the end of this year, mm-hmm. and he goes... Uh, hey guys, Marvel is. Do I really have to finish that movie right away? I mean, I might need a couple months here. And then he saw that the date was for this time, ne- or you know, for the end of next year. And he's like, oh, false alarm. Never mind. I can do that movie. Don't worry. I got this. And so uh, oh. I was like, yeah, I'm with you, James. I'm totally with you on that. I want to just take a, a month or two off and get lost in space in this new game. Looks like a blast. Got it. Okay. Oh, speaking of Mr. Gunn, we were, we were talking about. Guardians Volume 3, and, you know, when James gets in the saddle again to direct the next Guardians film, like we said, not just Volume 3, it's also all of the, you know, the right elements for uh, Cosmic Rewind, it's likewise the holiday special, and James has talked about this is his last rodeo, so to speak, in the Guardians world. I mean, he's going to go out with a bang. And so, supposedly, that also is influencing a lot of the story choices, that are being made for volume three. I mean, you know, there's, I've been hearing from friends in the effects world about this time around, it's not just Rocket and Groot as the fully CG characters, but there's also a lady, Lila. Do you know of this supposedly Rocket soulmate, the Otter? Oh yeah, I had I had heard. I don't. I had never read the mm-hmm. a comic that had this character in it, mm-hmm. so I was unfamiliar 
until I had uh, read the reports about Rocket Soulmate was going to be another. Mm-hmm. And I, all I knew was it was like a woodland creature. That was about as far as I could remember. I didn't know okay. if it was a beaver or a woodchuck <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Groundhog. Okay. Whatever. Well, evidently, she's a, a very lovely female otter who can go toe-to-toe with Rocket. But Rocket, who's he's had a rough go of it, and it would, would be nice to, to have have him find love. Likewise, where we left off in Endgame with, with Peter Quill and Gamora, they still have to find their way back to one another. So, you know, again, you can kind of sense the story choices that Gunn has made going into this third and, for him, final film. But at the same time, we we were talking about poor David Batista, and as you were mentioning, his, his sensitive nipples and, you know, all the makeup and that sort of thing. But did you see just this week that Anna Paquin made an appearance on the Jesse Cagle podcast? And was talking about how Hugh Jackman, when he was making the X-Men films, was was absolutely tortured between the, the having to, to wear the claws for Wolverine, the makeup there, and, and likewise the stunt work. She just talked about he's this incredibly lovely person who never once complained when it would be 40 below zero, they'd be outside, he'd be doing a stunt where he had to go backwards off of a building and land on his back, and they'd do it over and over and over again, and he never once complained, and he was nice to everyone, and that included the crew, and that he's still her best friend, because she did all of her scenes with him, and she was a relatively young performer and just could not have been nicer. I love stories like that. But conversely, I am totally embarrassed to have to admit this, but Wyatt Russell, the gentleman who played John Walker, the, the new Captain America and then U.S. agent. He's a smug, arrogant jerk is what he is, right? Well, is that what you learned? No, he's the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. I meant salt of the earth. Salt of the earth is what I meant to say. Good guy. Lovely. Well, that's... Really? Yeah. Really? really? Yeah. You're, not, you're putting me on. Well, no. And, and, and now when you look at the jaw, well, it, of course it's Kurt Russell's oh. jaw. Jeez, oh man, you're right. God. Yeah. Uh, he was cast for his jaw. <laughs> Kurt, good jeans, man. Good jeans. They go all the way through, don't they? Goldie, oh man, good jeans. They, oh, jeez, good looking kid. No, I see it now. I see it. I do. Same thing. But as you said, I never, you know, in the entire time watching that show. If you the- ever watched Resident Alien, I do believe there was a scene where he's like, he's handsome. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, now I will have to watch that. Yeah, anyway. Continuing the news here, Annecy, the International Animation Festival, is going on right now over in France. And Victoria Alonso, the head executive uh, vice president of production at Marvel Studios, is over there showing off clips from What If. The downside is, evidently, what they showed at the Animation uh, Festival was more of the Peggy Carter stuff we've already seen of her sort of being transformed into uh, Captain Britain. I guess it was an extended version of the scene, so we got to see more of Steve Rogers, more of Howard Stark. I got a brilliant idea, Jim. Mm -hmm. At Marvel What If, they should call the producers of Harley Quinn and get a little sneak, (laughs) a cut of, of season three, a scene that didn't make it, and do What If Batman Did. Totally changing the subject here. Okay, back to uh, what if, because WandaVision, Falcon of the Winter Soldier, and Loki have been doing so well, there have evidently been lots of conversations about, we got to keep the ball rolling here. We got to keep the focus on Marvel Studios. So the, the notion was, 
do we go straight into what if? And there's been evidently some pushback because it's like, well, well, first of all, these are these are half hour long guys. I mean, they're animated. We don't want to promise like Loki size thrills and have it be animated or more to the point when people commit 40 or 50 minutes to sit down to watch an episode of a limited series, when we're asking them to do the same thing with 22 minutes. Um, That's a question right there is like, when they say half hour, do they mean eight minutes of credits included in that half hour? So it's only 22 minutes or yeah. is it 38 minutes with eight minutes of credits tacked onto a half hour of entertainment? Because that will also determine how some people feel about certain things. I know I kind of felt that way about WandaVision. It's like, really? These seem really short. Mm -hmm. By the time I'm just getting into it, it's over. Mm -hmm. And overall, I mean, I still like the show, but it just felt brief. And you get into the the latest two of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki, and they've got some meat on the bone. So mm -hmm. I'm more happy with those longer episodes. If you actually double back to WandaVision, and as long as they were married to the conceit of Wanda is producing effectively sitcom versions of her life and she's moving through the history. I mean, you were kind of married to that notion of these have to be a half hour worth of story because that's what classic sitcoms were. But as we get into the later episodes and her control over the world starts to slip away, they start to get supersized. Mm -hmm. You start to get longer episodes. And I remember reading something there. There was actually some concern, you know, with the filmmakers to that effect. It's like, I hope they hang in there past episode three when we... <laughs> right, because that's when it starts. Yeah. I think as a creative decision, mm -hmm. I probably would have opted for 45-minute episodes where you marry uh, episodes one and two together and then tighten them up. So it's you can go, hey, look, we're not doing just like the 60s in this episode and then the 70s and the next one and 80s and the next one and 90s and the next one. We're going to do 50s and 60s in the first half hour and then uh, 70s and 80s in the second half hour of the show. Mm -hmm. So that way we can cover four decades and get it moving because mm -hmm. I, I swear to God, you, nothing of consequence happens in episodes one or two, except setting up the premise mm -hmm. of their episodes. You can still have that concept, mm -hmm. but just smash it together and go, hey, look, here's the, here's the 60s, here's the 70s, here's the 80s. The audience is smart enough. The MTV generation is used to fast clips. Mm -hmm. They get it. They don't need it to be exactly 22 minutes ago. By golly, it was just like 1967 mod. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think they had to go that far. So a uh, creative decision. And, and you know, I, I think out of all of Disney Plus has given us for Marvel, I think episodes one and two of one division are the weakest out of everything. Everything else has been just just aces, kid. Now, a quick question, because I, I was just talking with a friend about Loki. He enjoyed watching WandaVision and... Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier in all in one fell swoop, which meant basically you had to go into the pop culture bunker for weeks right. and deliberately yeah. avoid spoilers and, and, and that sort of thing. But he felt that, you know, when you watched it in one fell swoop, it, it was like one giant supersized MCU film. Great stunt work, great effects, that sort of thing. And he's he's planning on doing the same thing with Loki. And I don't know if, again, given what you and I do, we don't really have the option of doing that. To me, it would feel like uh, opening your Christmas presents on the 28th. Like, why? 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 <laughs> why? That's just wrong. You're making Jesus cry. Open your present. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> Disney listeners, please don't make Jesus cry. Watch your episodes right away. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> okay. Well, now, now, speaking of which, given that the TVA deals with time jumps all the time, it's entirely appropriate, folks, that when you next hear from Aaron and I, would will at least be 12 hours later. But uh, shortly, he and I will talk at length about Loki. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And we're back. Do we sound different? It's been 15 hours. No, 14 since Aaron and I last recorded. So, uh, <laughs> Mr. Adams, how are you starting your morning? Uh, I'm starting it with a healthy beverage that my wife and I enjoy. It's called uh, Loki's Low-Key Key Lime Pie Cocktail. And it is a fantabulous way to start a show at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. If you want to make it at home, three ounces Blue Chair Bay Key Lime Rum Cream. Beautiful by itself, but add two ounces pressed coconut water, one ounce vanilla rum, shake in a little shaker with some ice. Now, here's the trick, Jim. You wet mm-hmm. your glass with the lime juice around the rim, dip it in some graham cracker dust, pour your beverage, garnish with a little uh, lime wheel and a marchino cherry. <laughs> oh, you'd think you'd have your toes in the water in the beaches of Florida. Oh, my goodness. Good stuff. I'm sorry. It's all I can manage in the morning to do coffee and then pour creamer into it. That just sounds (laughs) so much more elaborate. But wow, okay. Then, well, as they say, what is it? It's o'clock somewhere. There we go. You know, the sun is over the yard arms somewhere. So, all right. So, you and I have both watched the first two episodes of Loki. Which I am enjoying tremendously. What's your feel? So, you know, we're a third of the way into our story so far. What what do you think? I'm glad that Owen Wilson isn't required to act in the show whatsoever. He just shows up, he does his Owen thing, and uh, it's fabulous. Wow. (laughs) I think episode one was kind of exposition heavy, so I was very happy when we got little diversions like D.B. Cooper on the airplane. Mm -hmm. And very similar... Episode two was kind of uh, exposition heavy, so I was thankful for little diversions like uh, Pompeii and Vesuvius. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a, a little treat along the way. But, you know, there was quite a bit of, of Owen and Loki just sitting at a table chatting in both mm-hmm. episodes. So they're delivering a lot of information, and I hope that uh, it's going to start to get a little bit quicker. I am enjoying it. I mean, everything's been good. I just need it to just kind of start clicking of, of adventure and, and mayhem and whatnot. If I could offer some perspective here, in fact, this information comes from an absolutely wonderful interview that Steve Weintraub just did with Michael Waldron, the gentleman who created the series for Marvel. He came out of community and you know, wrote some of the, the better episodes of, of Rick and Morty. So, you know, the Venn diagram where that meets is where we are with Loki. But he talks about how before he came on the board, the Marvel made a very deliberate choice to the effect of... They wanted to do a show about Loki in the TVA. They wanted to take this character that was all about chaos and put him in an organization that was all about preserving the timeline. That was a, a kind of a delicious idea. Kind of just mm. sort of this soulless bureaucratic organization that is all about preserving the timeline. But Michael in this interview talked about the fact that, you know, going into this, we'd already seen time travel done in the Marvel Universe. We'd seen it as part of Endgame. So it was kind of like, okay, that establishes how time works in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are the rules then for the TVA? And so just to reinforce the point you were just making, that involves a lot of exposition. That Mm -hmm. involves a lot of laying down of rules. And in a lot of ways, the very thing you were just talking about with Owen Wilson, that we're so lucky to have an actor like him who is very good at the not acting acting because there's a lot of front loading for this thing. But at the same time, the fact that twice now in the first two episodes, we've seen Owen Wilson uh, when the TVA is, you know, stepped into the past and interacting with, with people, mm. Owen's gone out of his way to say things to the effect of they shouldn't be frightened of us. We're here and these people are frightened. They're, you know, they're facing a hurricane or there's just been a killing and it's like, they shouldn't be frightened of us. And it just sort of, for me, that kind of weighs into that whole difference between Marvel and DC that I always think back to that moment in Marvel's Avengers, where it's, it's during the battle of New York and Captain America suddenly interacting with the NYPD. And it's like, you need to, you know, you know, there's people trapped in there. You need to get, get a set up a perimeter over there. And the NYPD guys like, why should we listen to you? And then the Shatari attack and Captain America lays waste to them. And then just turns back the MP, uh, NYPD guy and immediately, okay, what he said, we do. Right. I think the DC films, the, especially the, the Zack Snyder ones, never got that right, never understood that the superheroes are protecting people. Yeah, but it, it, the destruction is so pretty on the screen. You know, it's like, well, just pretend that they all evacuated instantly and then the, the whole building came tumbling down and we just won't even talk about it because we're here to watch a big, huge smackdown. That's it, exactly. But even with uh, you know, stepping ahead to Age of Ultron, the fact that you suddenly had that scene where it's like, we need to get these people out of here. We need to, you know, these guys were willing to stay in the city trying to save as many people as possible at the cost of perhaps their own lives. And it's just sort of like, I love moments like that where you see characters behaving decently, which again, makes a nice contrast to Loki, who is, you know, all of his self-interest. So... All right, so uh, stepping aside from the, uh, and again, a lot of 
exposition. Mm-hmm. We've only got six episodes of, of this one, so we're a third of the way around the track. So how spoilery are we going to get here? Oh, we're living in Spoiler City, baby. We, we're parked the car. We've purchased a home. We've moved the kids in, and this is where we live now, Spoiler City. <laughs> okay, <laughs> then what did you think of the revelation in, in episode two about who who, who are Jason? Big bad is? Yes, yeah. I, I think, uh, well, I wasn't surprised that mm-hmm. it wasn't Tom Hiddleston's face. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the end of episode one, we get a silhouette at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. If that were Tom Hiddleston that we were chasing, they would have shown his face grinning from ear to ear split like a Pez dispenser about to dispense candy, right? Mm-hmm. That would have made it more impactful to know that we were actually chasing Loki, the real Loki. To keep it in a silhouette says it's not Tom Hiddleston's Loki, at the very mm-hmm. least, it's somebody else. Now, after the reveal that it is a what appears to be a female version of Loki because she's got a, a crown with a mm-hmm. couple of smaller horns that look Loki-esque. Mm-hmm. But if you go to IMDb, the casting, her name is Sophia Martino, mm-hmm. and she is ca- uh, labeled as the variant. Not female Loki, not Loki, just the variant. So who is she? Who it really? Who is she? I don't think she's Loki. I don't I don't remember Loki having a power where he could touch someone and a little green energy would pass his being onto someone else. But I think he would have said, "Hey, I don't have that talent." When he saw that happen, he would put that together on his own, right? So I don't know. I'm I'm uh, hesitant to to take any real guesses as to who this female character is right now. Okay. Okay. But again, if we remember our, our final moments of episode two, we, we are effectively watching. Oh, now the, the bombs get. Yes. Tr- yeah. Yes. Now that is where I got excited. That's where my heart started racing a little bit. And I mm. said, this is where my story starts. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I was like a dog when the, when the owner just came. I'm like, Hey, how you doing boss? How you doing? Where are you going? Are you go in the kitchen. Let me follow you. I mean, let me, let me sniff your leg. Where you been? Where you been? What's, what's going on? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then it stopped, and I went, "Oh, I gotta wait a week." But it's so interesting you say you say that that to wait a week because Michael Waldron he knew going into this. It's it's you know the thing of time travel movies is that you know it's one thing when you're watching the movie and you're like, "Oh, I had a good time," and but you're in the car and you're driving home like, "Wait a minute," right? <laughs> you know yep, that yep. that couldn't have worked that way. I mean, when you're watching the film and you're in the moment, you buy it. But you know, you home you pick apart. He said the problem going into this is he knew. Right from the front, the episodes are going to be a week apart. So it's like they had to be airtight. Because again, people were going to have a week to pick these things apart, to look for the holes, you know, for, to look for so, the, 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 wait the a story floods. You know, what, what you're telling me is they were not able to hire any writers from the series Lost. Is that, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Oh. Had more holes in a block of Swiss cheese, my friend. <laughs> uh, it's so funny that the Murder Squad podcast I listened to, Paul Holes, who's one of the hosts there is introducing his kids to to Lost right now. That they're, mm. I guess they've started in season one. And he, Paul, actually admitted that you know I in a weird sort of way I feel kind of bad because I know as we get to the end of this thing, you know, the end of Lost is very controversial, and mm. it's just sort of like those kids still have time to run away from home. Look on the positive <laughs> side, Jim. <laughs> I don't. I, you know, I always felt. I mean, I, I when I finished Lost, it was one of these things where it's like, well, how else could you have ended that? 
I think if you would have not had no answers as you're writing, like smoke monster, yeah, sounds great, but oh, it looks great, yeah, let's do that. Well, what's it mean? I've got no idea. You know, what I mean, if if you don't know okay. anything about yeah. what you're writing, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Okay, so they okay. didn't work on Loki. Thankful for that. We got wonderful <laughs> writers that were more airtight than Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we plug into our previous storyline with Loki, we got a character who was introduced with the original Thor back in May, May of 2011. We saw him become the, the supervillain, so to speak, with Marvel's Avengers. And we then watched as he began to kind of redeem himself between you know the storyline of Thor the Dark World, Ragnarok, and then he makes... You know the heroic sacrifice in Infinity Wars. You know, and so mm-hmm. Michael Waldron talks about you know when they came to him and you know and he he was like I want to do this show because it's like how many times do you get to work with a beloved villain and that mm-hmm. was the thing Loki is he's a beloved villain mm-hmm. the fact that you really can't trust him is really kind of part of his charm but at the same time that scene that little throwaway scene in Avengers Endgame where he grabs a tesseract and disappears you know that's the thing this isn't the loki that redeemed himself no this is still the one that hasn't learned any of those hard learned lessons yet and but yeah. he does get to witness them mm-hmm. through his loki's greatest hits at the tva interrogation in in episode 1 and you know he also realizes that he's the responsible for the the death of his adoptive mother mm-hmm. and uh so he feels guilt or shame for that i'm sure Mm -hmm. And then to go from there to see that he does end up dying to try and save Thor uh, at the hands of Thanos, who he was working for last. Like, it was only just hours ago that he was just working for that guy. And it turns out, you know, that in the future he ends up killing him. And so, but I I wish in that greatest hit scene, we would have got Hulk ragdolling Loki and and just (laughs) see some guilt and shame of, oh, do we have to look at this again? Uh, Okay. (laughs) That would have been great. I have to admit it, it, especially in the context of that film, it it is a wonderful moment. It is. It really is. But yeah, I mean, the whole, I mean, if you think about it over these, these six episodes, we get to see the. You're kind of the same card trick played out. We get to see Loki redeem himself, or maybe not. By the way, I and I know you 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 brought this up before. In fact, but, but please tell your less than subtle Miss Minutes <laughs> exposition story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean when when uh, they are doing the exposition, you, you got to right. You got to let mm-hmm. people know what's up. But when Miss Minutes, the little charming talking clock. In the very first episode, talks about oh, and there's a branching timeline, and that could lead to madness with a multiverse of bad things. And it's just like, really, you got to put madness and multiverse right together like that. I, and it was like, I could just then imagine like Doctor Strange appearing in the lower left hand corner, kind of leaning against uh, his doctor partner. It was a Rachel McAdams, you know, like mm-hmm. a, like a Fox promo coming up, right? <laughs> smiling all charming they're kind of rotating on a lazy susan somehow yeah (laughs) you know it's just like really come on guys when you realize that michael waldron as he was working on loki marvel pivoted and oh by the way 
we want to do a second pass on the script for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, you know, would you take that on? So I don't know if maybe that's a nod to the fact that he got the writing assignment or the fact that what, you know, the events we're seeing here. That's a nod like a bobblehead. It just keeps going and going. No, I, that, that I was, yeah, heavy, heavy handed, heavy handed. Previously, you and I have talked about how you, know, you look at a movie like Avengers Endgame or Infinity War and the fact that, you know, you have your two and a half hour, you know, two and three quarter hour running time. And even then you're fighting for space. You're looking for everybody to get their moment or that sort of thing. And now that the luxury of having these shows that have six episodes or eight episodes where you get three or four hours of screen time, you can do some very interesting storytelling. Yeah, I am actually getting more more interested in Marvel as a series on mm-hmm. Disney Plus, and you know, movies will be a treat and all, but they're going to seem so short by comparison. Like mm-hmm. after you spend four, five, six hours with one set of characters over the course of a couple of months, and then you walk into a theater, then blink, you're out of the theater, and then you're back mm-hmm. home. And you go, "What the hell did I just watch? Was it good?" <laughs> Uh, by the way, just to throw another uh, log on the fire here. Michael talked about when he went, walked into this gig with Loki, it was an intense schedule. It was like Falcon of the Winter Soldier was first, WandaVision was after them, and we were always going to be third. But then Falcon of the Winter Soldier and, and WandaVision flip-flopped. And that's kind of intriguing to me. If WandaVision, at least in my mind, kind of plowed the road, set a level of expectations going into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But you were just talking earlier in the show about how, you know, for example, WandaVision with its first two episodes that had to set up that sort of sitcom aesthetic. And it's, you Mm -hmm. know, they they kind of vamp for the whole thing. Whereas with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's like, bang, that big helicopter rescue with the flight suits and that sort of thing. I mean, they... They started right off the bat with, this is a Marvel superhero story for Disney+, Plus, but you know we're going to deliver stunt scenes and effects right up there with the MCU theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of intrigued by that. And if things would have been different, if, if Falcon and the Winter Soldier had been the first one out the gate. I really don't think so, because even if Wanda, for me, started slow, and I know mm-hmm. other people that just loved it beginning to end, and that's great. But... You've said the rule many times before is of a strong ending can forgive mm-hmm. a weak beginning. You know, mm-hmm. if you start strong and end weak, that's unforgivable. Uh, but if you start weak and end strong, well, that's that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if Wanda did start off weak, it ended fabulously. And I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. By the time we got to the end, I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. So I forgave a, a weak beginning and same here with Loki. There's a lot of exposition, but damn, if some of it isn't funny, like when Loki says he's going to burn the place down and Owen Wilson's like, start in my office. Let's go. <laughs> That's great. When Loki says, I'm going to gut you like a fish. And the guy goes, what's a fish? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and also the fact that that wonderful throwaway of when he's sort of going through somebody's desk drawer and looks, and here's a draw full of infinity stones. Right. And the notion of the clerk character, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of those. You know, some people use them for paperweights. And to watch Loki's face, because again, as you mentioned, this is a guy who's just walked out of Marvel's The Avengers. And, you know, he, here he was working so hard to get the Tesseract, to get the first infinity stone. And it's like, you know. Here's all of them. <laughs> you know, and they're useless. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it, but it's like useless, and it's just sort of like this is such a game changer for the MCU. Yeah, and I really want to know where is the TVA? Is it a place? Is it a time? Is it in our future? Is it hidden in the past? Is it in the core of the Earth? Is it on the moon? Where the hell is it? It looks <sighs> and, fantastic, but but in a, a, a you know the other thing is a truly soulless bureaucratic sort of way, very much leaning into. In fact, I, I love the dot matrix printers. They lean as much as they do into the seventies technology. Yeah, the giant green monochrome monitors that weigh about ninety pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This has some fun places to go. If you're a betting man, where are we going in three, four, five, six now? I mean, we've we've separated Loki and Agent Mobius. Well, I think one obvious point right there is Loki mm-hmm. ran away. You know, I love those time doors, by the way. It's it's new visual language in our MCU, and I really appreciate that it's very unique, but it makes sense instantly, mm-hmm. right? Oh, sure, yeah. So... Our villain, the variant, gets mm-hmm. away through the door. Loki's there at that last moment. Mobius is coming after him. Loki, don't go. Of course, Loki mm-hmm. jumps through the door. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from there? Story-wise, what makes sense to me is Mobius and, and company are going to say, ah, that Loki, I knew we couldn't trust him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Loki's going to go hunting after the variant in his own Loki way solo. Mm-hmm. That way we can he can be untethered from the rules and shenanigans can ensue. And then, when Mobius and company finally catch up, he can be all smarmy like, I wasn't trying to get away. I was trying to catch the variant. And I did. Here she is. Ta-da, I'm Loki. Mm-hmm. And he can hold out his arms and do that pose. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you know the pose I'm talking about. When I know out. the pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets paid, by the way. Every time he does that pose, <laughs> he gets a little bonus. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, and that way... He can be looked at as the bad guy by the, the TVA, but mm-hmm. we know that he's, he's learned, he's changing his ways, he's going to be a good guy, and that can set us up as the audience for him to fool us later on when he pulls the rug out for the grand finale. That's, that's uh, how I see that playing out. Okay, so folks, we'll have to wait and see if, if, if Aaron's prediction here. Me, I'm, I'm just along for the ride this time i'm really enjoying but one final thought before we close out here you're a betting man what's the over and under on the number of you know cosplayers dressed as loki's that that this you know that show up this summer at their local renaissance fair because it's like hey you know did you see loki he fits in this world now Oh God, I, I'm sorry. I had a flashback I, when when I was in the South, in the Deep South. Mm-hmm. I did uh, mm-hmm. for the Renaissance Fair a commercial that mm-hmm. was ye old merry English to Southern English. It was like <laughs> there'll be jousting, and it'll be like, "Hey y'all, they gonna be riding on horses with pointy sticks and trying to knock each other off." <laughs> Everything that was mentioned in the commercial had to be translated to Southern English, and oh. uh, yeah, that was funny. Anyway, uh, what would happen is, yeah, I think the cosplayers got so mm-hmm. many choices this summer mm-hmm. for uh, conventions because we've just been flooded with great characters and it's just been a treat. So you can mm-hmm. have uh, a Falcon, you can have Falcon turned new Captain America costumes, you can have Winter Soldier, you can have Wanda, you can have the twins, you know, for the little kids mm-hmm. dressing up as their future versions of of themselves. Uh, was it Wiccan and Sp- Speed? Um, there we go. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, and then obviously you've, you've got our current Loki situation where you've now got a, a male Loki and a female Loki that you can cosplay as. You've got, hey, if you want, you can go as Owen Wilson, man. Wow, wouldn't that be cool? I Actually, that, that would be fun. Though, I, I just one final note before we go here. That tells you about how huge these limited series are for Disney right now, that, that they opened the Avengers campus, uh, you know, in Anaheim Thursday before last. And then we'd had our new episode of Loki dropped in two days later after having somebody walking around the park in the traditional Loki costume. Did you see the shots of where they actually had a cast member dressed as, as Loki in his variant jumpsuit? Oh, no. Along with two members of the guard of the TVA to keep an eye on him. Oh, that's wonderful. That he was in the park two days later dressed as that version of the character. Tells you how huge these shows are for Disney right now. The fact that, you know, we want him in the park instantaneously. The way people know him from the Disney Plus show. Because that will thrill them and they'll want to get their picture taken. Though, again, I guess we're still in the, the selfie with somebody standing 30 feet behind you. You can get a variation of photo, but hopefully they yeah. That changes soon. So, well, anyway, I get, thank you for listening to our time traveling version of, of Mud. We should probably continue to do this, Aaron. You know, at least while while, while Loki's going on, I'll be making the the Loki's Loki key lime pie cocktails <laughs> while we do. It's a wonderful okay. way to wake up, my friends. This is Harry <laughs> Carey saying, "Oh, it's out of the park." Give me another shot, Jim. Oh. Worth it just for the Harry Carrier person. That was great. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. Um, well, anyway, uh, we do have a couple other podcasts here. We got Disney Dish with Lentesta. We got uh, Fine Tuning with Do Taylor. We got Universal Giant with Dustin Fuse, which you got to get another one. That was out the door this week. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this show. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be incredibly helpful. We got to get you on social media, Aaron. That would be worth it just for the Harry Carey and drink recipes. I, I'm on it. I, I'm at, I'm at azaprod.com. That's true. Oh, wait. No, that's, that's, that's I don't talk there. People, <laughs> people hire me there. Never mind. Don't go there. <laughs> okay. Unless you want to okay. pay me. If you want to pay me, yeah, go there. But uh, okay. no, on Twitter, it's just mm. azaprod. I stand corrected. Okay. Uh, Nancy wants me, though, to remind you that you can find us on Twitter at, and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And we look forward to seeing you there.